Hello, and welcome back to The Vanquisher's Guide. I am Randy. And I'm Bryce. What's up, folk? Folk. Folk? Yeah. I'm Bradley. The great folk. The great folk. Is there mm-hmm. a difference between folk and folks? Like, 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 I feel like there's a, like, I swear, I was going to say there's a different way of saying folks. Is there a difference between folk and folks? Well, no, that's just the, like, it's just, just the thing is, like, how you pronounce it. Like, same as, like, that's what I thought. potato and it's also like if you're uh like a hobbit in the shire you'd probably be like all these these humble folk you know but if you're like uh stepping out of a trailer park in the south it's folks sure sure (laughs) the words are so similar that as i was asking the question i couldn't even remember how to say the one word i was like you know folks and the other one (laughs) but I was yeah. I've I've always wondered if there was an actual difference, and I just was using the wrong word sometimes, or if it's just maybe one's just the old timey version of it. There's the like the fancier version versus like the new age slum version. Yeah, but, something like that. Scrub version, I guess more so. <laughs> scrub version. <laughs> um, but that being said, these guys that we're gonna be talking about today, I'm really excited about. I might say, as far as birds go, they are the opposite of scrubs. Uh, to get the the reference back to it, I don't um, know, man. The bar for uh, birds not being scrubs is pretty high. Hey, these guys, <laughs> I I would challenge you to find any birds that are better than these two. Oh, uh, they're we'll they're pretty awesome. The uh, birds, as we as I hinted, that we're gonna be talking about are the phoenix, which is. I mean, that's a pretty popular creature. I think everyone, most people have heard of phoenixes. Uh, And then we're also going to be talking about a creature called the Thunderbird, which Um, I feel like most people... think we covered cars, Randy. Yeah, exactly. I know. (laughs) Nor do we cover planes, which is another one that's named after this. But uh, the Thunderbird is actually a Native American creature um, that a lot of people, I think, probably have, if not heard of, you've at least seen... Or seen like things that have been inspired by it. Um, so we'll talk about it a little bit later. But it's a really, really cool creature. And it's kind of like the like the electric counterpart to the phoenix. Though their mythology and stuff is from very different cultures. And, and they have quite different stories. Thematically and visually, they are very similar. So, so that's why... You take a like a, a falcon or something... Uh-huh. And like Eevee the Pokemon. And then you like uh-huh. zap it with some lightning, it becomes the Thunderbolt. You shoot it with some fire, it becomes the Phoenix. So this is basically this is like a situation. Exactly. So somebody just needs to shoot some water at one and then yeah. throw like a ball of like leaves at another. <laughs> I was actually kind of surprised nine, neither of you mentioned because there's absolutely all four of those in Pokemon already. We've got Zapdos, oh. Oh. which is which is a Thunderbird. <laughs> We've got uh, Maltros, I think is what it's called, or something like that, yeah. which is the fire one. And then we have uh, Atrix, or whatever his name is, which is the ice version, ice bird. Oh, and so, like, think of ice as a bird, bro. That's me. <laughs> so they all already exist. I was thought it was hilarious. You went with the Eevee version, even though they do have their own counterparts in Pokemon. I only know like pop culture Pokemon. Uh, I really don't know much about Pokemon. <laughs> I feel like Zapdos is pretty pop culturally yeah, there. Maybe but uh so that being said yes that we're talking about both of those birds because i feel like although they're not the most like they themselves aren't 
usually all that associated with each other. I think they thematically fit together really well. And they feel like very similar creatures overall. So I wanted to mention them both together. And yeah. plus, they're cool. So, Do you think that they could do like a, like a Dragon Ball Z like fusion and become like a Fire Thunder Phoenix? That would be bird? kind of awesome. I would love that. <laughs> uh, that there's actually, I did see a picture while I was like researching this and everything where somebody had done kind of looking that where it was like one half of it was a fire bird, not necessarily Phoenix, but just like bird on fire. And then one half of it was a water bird. And I was like, ah, oh, so close. Would have been so cool. And I could have used that as a picture of him. Like, yo, look at that. It's like, it's our guys. But, <laughs> but it's wasn't not. Quite, wasn't quite there. So let's uh, start off, first of all, with the Phoenix. Because I feel like of the two, that's the more, at least pop culturally prevalent of the two creatures. Yeah, so, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, that being said, have you guys, like, you guys are pretty familiar with phoenixes. What do you guys know about them on the surface level? Um, they always come to save the day in Harry Potter. That's yeah. it. There you go. <laughs> Job's done. No, I'd say, like, yeah, you know, like, the base stuff of it lives, and then it, when it, not dies, but when it, like, dies it comes back <laughs> and it's, it's basically like the symbol of immortality right and uh-huh. like rebirth yeah. yeah yeah that's pretty accurate yeah and i think it's actually kind of i like the way that you said that like when it, it lives and then it dies but then it doesn't die but it dies and i don't really know what it does because uh just like as much as you're confused about that i think every other culture was also confused about that because they all kind of go back and forth on whether it whether they are dying and then being reborn whether they're just like regenerating their body or or what it all is it's not really super specific but so what you're saying is on this day in this podcast we are going to find out the answer uh no we are absolutely not because i am not going <laughs> to definitively say Shut so, down, man. i will just go with depending on who you talk to it's either a brand new bird being reborn or being born out of the ashes or it's the same old bird just having to reset its body, who's to say? They're very confusing. And I think the problem is, is depending on which culture and by extension, which religions and things like that, they all interpreted it differently to be able to fit the narrative that they wanted to tell, which is fair. It makes sense. But because of that, it gets kind of confusing. So, yeah. Uh, With that being said, as we mentioned, Phoenixes basically immortal depending on how you want to take it um but they're actually really cool in that like a lot of the cultures they have like associated them with a lot of really symbolic meaning uh a lot of cultures obviously associate them with the sun because of i mean they're being up there a bird that's on fire um is the sun a bird on fire i mean you don't know i i've never seen the sun in person that close (laughs) it could be just a, a bird just curled up in a ball maybe it's a bird egg curled up on fire out there and then one one of these days the moon or the uh, sun is gonna hatch and then bam there's a phoenix out in the space it All could right. happen i, then, I mean yeah. i'm not gonna the, say that's totally impossible but um it's not totally impossible um, it's totally impossible <laughs> I'm not holding out hope. <laughs> and maybe the moon is an egg for a thunderbird, and they're gonna hatch oh, at the same time okay. and then start fighting. You have me on. You have It'd me. Be on your awesome. Uh huh. 
the the phoenix i would definitely have my money on that one isn't it what like two billion times bigger or something probably not that much it's but... just distance it's just distance that's the problem like everyone says that the sun is the really earth far is away flat, guys exactly. there's no Every... such thing as the sun or moon it's all created by the government the sun is actually the size of a dime and it's <laughs> exactly everyone claims that the sun's really far away and that's why it's the same size as the moon it's because like it's so far away that's perspective and distance but nah it's actually the same size same distance away they're just eggs and the government's been lying to us because they've been keeping them dormant in their eggs for this long so that way the world doesn't end i think we can uh, peddling misinformation on this podcast yeah sorry um (laughs) we are all science believers because it's not a belief system, it's fact. So yeah, all well, of I mean, yeah. you. It's only prove it, it's only fake when they can prove it. I still have yet to see proof that I believe. What? <laughs> I don't I don't think you just spoke English, but okay. <laughs> no, I'll just discount everything that I see that disagrees with me as not real fact. That's fine. That's that's the secret to life. Anyway. So that's with that being said. It is being like a lot of cultures associated with the sun, um, primarily not because it is an egg for a phoenix. Um, I think they mainly they're associating the phoenix with the sun because of it being like pretty much the only bird that can catch fire and be okay with that. And so therefore, it's like it's got to be connected somehow to the sun. Logically, Checks out. yeah. I mean, sun's on fire all the time. Birds on fire all the time. There's got to be something there. Uh, but that's not the only uh, symbology that the cultures have attached to it. There's actually a long list of different things that it's associated with, uh, including time, of course. Also, the empire. Um, that one specifically is is usually with uh, the Chinese culture. And every, uh, each of the empires were like would choose kind of their animal to be like representing, or like their mythological magical creature and yeah. several of them chose phoenixes so they would have like actual phoenix hairpins and whatnot because i remember cool. um from our episode on uh chilins uh, mm-hmm. when there's what like four sacred like animals in like chinese mythology yep. i think yeah and phoenix was number two just under the dragon or i believe so i think it's two yes because there's actually a lot of statues in china area i don't know where specifically uh but where there's like doorways that has like a dragon and a phoenix both guarding the door uh, oh, there's that's also sad. yeah yeah and there's also like th- there's a couple of statues that look like a dragon fused with a, a phoenix where it's like two of them combined into like one weird super creature and things like that so yeah i think that they both are relatively intertwined as like very important beings obviously dragon being the first one first and foremost but underneath that a lot of people had a lot of respect for the phoenix in in there so because of that the empire and and the government or whatever in that area was often associated with the phoenix because it was symbolized as being like if you were associated with the phoenix then you were probably blessed and your things were going to be good uh also a lot of times the phoenix was associated with resurrection obviously like living in paradise because the phoenix cannot can keep coming back time and time again so they have some kind of control over life death and maybe they can help with getting to to 
the afterlife. And then Christianity got involved and they started associating the Phoenix with Christ or with the Virgin Mary or virginity in general or okay. with just being awesome for some reason. <laughs> There's specifically kind of losing me a little, but yeah, yeah, this is where the list kind of gets weird um there's there's actually several times where they specifically mentioned that like the phoenix was just kind of the hallmark of someone just being exceptional for some reason i don't know why but like if you're blessed by the phoenix that was just you were like a really good guy and then also in general any christianity aspect could be somehow connected like christianity just really liked to affiliate themselves with the phoenix for some reason i think it was mainly because I think mainly it was them trying to re- like relate how the Phoenix, when it dies, it comes back, it's reborn. And in Christianity, kind of like Christ did the exact same thing where he died, comes back several days later. So I think that that's where like they kind of latched onto that. And they're like, yo, twinning, same thing. Nice. But they really latched on hard to the Phoenix for some reason. So is it like a, part of the world that like of christianity or like um it's you know i think it was starting out over obviously in the europe because the phoenix itself doesn't have the most clear origins as to where it comes from it's either from greece or from egypt it's one of the two because we have two creatures which actually i was going to mention just now in a little bit um but there's two creatures that are like very, very similar. Uh, one being the Phoenix, which is from Greece. And then the other one, which was from Egypt, which was called the Banu. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's B-A-N-N-U. Uh, and they're very, very similar creatures. They look a little bit differently, but they have very similar abilities, very similar uh, stories. And so it's hard to tell which one inspired which one. Like it's maybe the Greek Phoenix came first and then the Egyptians picked it up and kind of took their own version of it or vice versa. We don't know which. Um, But after it kind of started in those two cultures, those areas, it started to spread across the area. And as Christianity became more popular, they were like, yo, that's a cool story and picked it up. So it was kind of coming from Greece and that area that Christianity started to pick it up and spread it around. If that kind of answers your question, I think it did. I can see that. Like, Like, I, I w- it would make more sense for Christians in like Greece to make that connection than like Christians in England. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Would that what, like even if they heard stories of a Phoenix or whatever. So like, I, yeah, it makes sense that it would be Christians there. Right. Yeah. So speaking of actually the first uh, stories of Phoenixes, the first written version, because there's stories and, and, and verbal uh, histories of phoenixes for a long time and there's supposed art and drawings of phoenixes going back years before especially in china there's tons of like pictures drawn of these creatures but the first like physical description and written down account of a phoenix actually comes from the sixth century bc uh from a poet named hestiod or hesiod i believe is actually how it's pronounced and he was uh writing a poem or po- a, some kind of form of literature. I don't know if it was specifically a poem. I think it's supposed to rhyme, but obviously now being translated into English, not Greek, it doesn't really. So I assume that was what it was supposed to be. 
Uh, but it was called The Precepts of Chiron. And in this fragment of poem that we have, there's a character called Chiron. He was a centaur at the time. And he talks Not to... It's with uh, Karen. Yeah, different different guy, different person. <laughs> Spelled very similarly, if not the same, but different person. Um, but this centaur named Chiron is talking to a young Achilles, the hero with the weak uh, heel. And he's talking to him, describing and, and explaining like the lives of magical creatures. And he first starts with saying that a crow lives can live nine times the age of an old man, which feels really old for a crow. I don't know if that's accurate. I don't think that they actually had proof of that. I mean, but, when it says aged men, is that just like really old people on yeah. their deathbeds? You know, just I think, yeah, I like think that's nine sections of those. Well, I think it's supposed to mean that like a crow can live nine times the oldest, like 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 nine times the nine times the age of the oldest man because like an aged man being like the really old people who lived really long lives and like got to like the end of their life and then died people who died of old age not people who like died on the battlefield or something like that like these are people who lived a full life and a crow can live nine times that length of time i think is how it's supposed to be pronounced old man or something commonly crows live around 13 years the max age for a crow is 20 years well bad news uh humans can only live uh what is that like two years (laughs) well no i'd be like (laughs) what a shame well i mean 13 divided by nine oh well i was saying max i was saying max 20 right so it'd be like six six and a half okay okay so yeah, a, a crow can live nine times the age of a man, according to this poem. The age of an old aged man. And then a stag can live four times that of a crow. This is like a math problem that oh, he God. like Chiron's having to give to Achilles and Achilles is having to like quick write it down, figure out what the problem means. Like he's I feel like this belongs in like a elementary school like math textbook, you know. Exactly. How many apples does Johnny have at the end of the day? <laughs> exactly. Well, How oh, many oh. lives does uh Karen have at the end of this? <laughs> I, I expect you to be able to figure out how long a, a Phoenix's lifetime is based off of this math problem. So well, it's, it's you better not, it's not giving us X because it doesn't tell us <laughs> the aged man's life. So the, how... the presumed aged man's life at that time I would say we could go with 50 years old. I mean, seems like a pretty, pretty, I mean, maybe 70, 60. What do we think that aged man in that time lived? 300 times four times three. <laughs> what is this? So then after uh, the uh, stag can grow, live four times that of a crow. Okay. Then a raven can live, uh, has a lifespan that's three times that of a stag. And meanwhile, the phoenix outlives the ravens by nine times. And then we reach the nymphs. And so this is where centaur, the centaur Chiron starts to refer to himself slash his people. And he says that, but we, the rich-haired nymphs, daughters of Zeus, the Aegis holder, outlives ten phoenixes. So... Oh, Wow. That's the hierarchy of the lifespans of magical creatures in Greek mythology. Uh, and that is, adds up to quite a lot of time. Man, that's just hilarious to think that he's like, yo, look at all these like long living animals that live like so much more than each other. But look at me. 
I'm the one that lives the longest. Yeah. I'm the coolest. <laughs> yeah. So if you do all the math there, which I'm sure as all did, like I'm sure you were following along just fine there. Uh, the Phoenix's lifespan is described to be about 972 times that of a human being. Uh, and then obviously 72. Yep. 972. So let's do that by like 60. So that's like 58,000 years. Yeah. It's a long life. It's pretty, it's pretty good. Um, and then the, the nymphs, uh, any of those magical creatures, they have freaking their times decades. 10 that, right? Yeah. They're 10 times 10. So they're living 9,720 year or, or sorry. 9,720 times longer than a normal human being. So then you have to take that times 50, 60, whatever the average lifespan was. And that's their lifespan. It's funny so, being, like, being able to throw numbers around like that when like one phoenix is alive longer than humans have existed on this earth. <laughs> exactly. It's insane. So, and so that's been the... for everything. The dinosaurs, the meteor, the flood. <laughs> phoenix are everything. time. They are everything. They have been here since the beginning and they will be here till the end of time. Man, no wonder you'd think they have like weird time warping powers or something. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's his description. Uh, that being said, there are other texts that slightly disagree with that. Uh, and by slightly, I mean they very, very much disagree with that because the other texts, they describe the lifespan of a phoenix as about 5,000 or 500 years. Sorry. Oh, pretty modest. Exactly. So, <laughs> so that's that's like... A third, a quarter of what of what Kyron was explaining. So I don't know who to believe at this point, but it's somewhere in between, like, two hundred years and ten thousand years. I feel like that's the average lifespan of a phoenix. That's a that's quite a disparity. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then we can't forget nymphs. Obviously, then live ten times whatever the number is. So if it's five. 100 years that phoenix live then that's up to 5000 years for a nymph and if they the phoenix can somehow live longer than that then it just keeps getting bigger but yeah these things and this that's kind of the reason why they're such a mythological like confusingly powerful creature is cuz like they're just they're just infinite they just never die they're really confusing and then if they do die presumably they're just reborn or something and they just go on living again. They just start over. So, oh, so like that amount of years is how long one of their lives is. That's yeah, that's one life before they get reborn as a new version of themselves. Wow, that's busted, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're dumb. So the uh that being said, just like people couldn't quite determine and couldn't agree on how long they live, there or what they also represent, like people just can't agree on anything. They also couldn't quite agree on what they looked like. Uh, there's a whole lot of different descriptions, many of them contradicting each other. Uh, in medieval times, there's a lot of pictures and descriptions and things like that that picture the phoenix having a halo for some reason. A lot of people think that that's just like them trying to emphasize how the bird is connected with the sun and also possibly them emphasizing the connection to Christianity as well because... Halos are often affiliated with Christianity. So 
a lot of the mid medieval art has them with halos. Other than that, there's also a lot of different cultures that vary on the coloring. Uh, some talk about them being purple. Some talk about them being like like a uh, uh, what's the bird I'm thinking of right now that I can't think of. Uh, really colorful bird that has like all of the peacock thank you (laughs) yeah no peacock is the one i was thinking of um like a peacock there's some that people that describe them as like really vibrantly colored and like rainbow like a peacock is uh but then there was at least a couple of really famous people really famous poets at the time that all kind of started to collaborate ish and started to agree on some looks that like kind of started to coalesce into the look that we have now today. Um, so they started to narrow down on it being more of orangey-ish, red colors. Um, I mean, they still couldn't quite agree on some things. Some of them said that, that it would have blue eyes. Some of them said red eyes. Some said gold scales. Some said no scales. Things like that. But they, they eventually started narrowing down what it looked like and it started to become the creature that we have and it started becoming about the same size as an eagle um but then again there was some people that couldn't quite agree on that either and uh it never quite got the horse treatment unfortunately dang Uh, but it did get uh compared to an ostrich which is the first i think that we've experienced someone is someone comparing an a creature to an ostrich which That's I think is a fun. Strange comparison. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for a mythological, magical, flying specifically creature being told, yeah, you're about the same size as a totally flightless bird, which is unfortunate. <laughs> but you were gonna say something, Brad? Oh, it was gonna I didn't want to cut you off. It was gonna re derail the conversation. Oh, you, I mean derail away. <laughs> I don't I mean <laughs> my only apparently core memory with ostriches is in the movie um what is it prince not uh prince of persia with the no, ostrich yeah, prince of persia with the ostrich race yes oh my goodness oh, yes. core memory that, that core is not memory. at all that is not at all the first memory that i have of thinking of an ostrich <laughs> the first memory i have of an ostrich is a really really odd like i mean talk about derailing this is a derailing of if I've ever heard of one, um, there was an, a comedian. I don't even remember who it was at this point, but had a whole bit that he talked about. He was in, I think he was visiting another country. He may have been actually in the States. I don't remember, but he was uh, driving down the road and there was an ostrich on the side of the road. And they're like, what the heck? There's an ostrich. That's, that's wild. So they pulled off and like, we're kind of looking at it and the ostrich started coming at them and they're like, Oh, oh no, like it's coming for us. We got to go. So they, got back into the car and started driving away and the ostrich just started booking it down the road next to them, just staring at them running full tilt down the road at the speed of a car and they were losing it. So that's the first thought that I have is ostriches will just chase you down the road while you're driving at like 30 miles an hour, just staring you down. Maybe that's something Phoenixes will do. You know, if you're just like in your little propeller plane, they'll just fly up beside you and, Give it a stink eye. <laughs> it wasn't the size that they were comparing them to an ostrich. It was their just weird fixation with mean mugging you. Uh, yeah, so. But then uh, after that whole 
really unclear description of what phoenixes are. We get finally like a really extensive and, and kind of imaginative description of phoenixes finally for the first time. We get like a full expose and that comes from the travels of Sir John Manderville. Uh that was a what a memoir. Name. Yeah. Well, that was the the, the title of the, the memoir story thing that was supposed to be like a travel documentary, but it was written by we don't know who. So it presumably, was John Manderville. I mean, maybe it could have been a self a, a biography or autobiography. It could have been an autobiography, but we don't know. It's it. All we know is that it's named that and the writer is somebody. So it could have been Sir John Manderville. And I kind of hope it was because that's a really fun name. But that was a it was written in the 14th century. And the way he describes it is actually pretty fun. He says, uh, this bird men see oftentimes fly in those countries, and me is not mickle more than an eagle, and he hath a crest of feathers upon his head more great than the peacock hath, and its neck his yellow after color of an oriole that is a stone well shining, and his beak is colored blue as indigo, and his wings be of color or of purple color, and his tail is barred overthwart crosswise, with green and yellow and red. And he is a fair, a full fair bird to look upon against the sun, for he shineth full glory and nobly. Wow. There you go. <laughs> he's That's a, the he's mickle more than an eagle. Yeah. So, just barely the size of an eagle, and he's purplish. Oh, is, is that what that means? Yeah. Not a more? Like, not a little more? I think he's no, a little I'm, bit I'm more than that. an eagle. Yeah. So, that's the description that we finally get, and that's the kind of look that starts to take off is is he's yellowish and he's got a really shining look to him he's got a little bit of purple yellow and green and red in him and that kind of takes off for a little while until he starts to become the more just like straight red creature and i will say is that i love like the phoenix that he's describing it's right just majestic it is a very beautiful it does feel very similar to a peacock like it just sounds like a really majestic very beautiful peacock to be fair it seems more like an ostrich but (laughs) i mean yeah with that with that glare i can't i can see where you get that but it's i do kind of feel like with making it a little bit more of a like combo between other creatures which we get to in later iterations of it it does kind of make it more of a unique creature ironically uh but it is still a very cool description it makes it sound very 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 beautiful and and majestic as he says so but yes so like as i said as we go further in time it starts to develop into it being a combination of a bunch of other creatures it starts to hybridize and become like mixed it's an eagle mixed with a falcon mixed with like a swallow mixed with uh, even some heron gets in there as well, and phoenix is, or sorry, not phoenix, and uh, a peacock as well gets mixed in there. Like it just kind of no becomes pelican? a hybrid of all of those. Unfortunately, no, we don't see ever a pelican, and I didn't ever think what of that until you just said it, and I am disappointed. <laughs> Why have we never seen the pelican <laughs> phoenix? <laughs> that would be so awesome. It's, but then we start to get into where. As all things do, naturally, I mean, I guess 
everything but this creature, all things must die. The phoenix will eventually kind of quote-unquote die, pseudo-die. And this this is a lot of where the confusion comes from again as well. Because as we mentioned, it's either death and rebirth or something not quite the same. Um, Original story, as far as we could tell, the way that it was told was as the phoenix got close to their death, like they could kind of sense that they were going to die, like they could feel their 500 years or 5,000 years or whatever it was were coming to a close, they would begin to feel they were dying and start to build up this nest of branches and spices. And like, specifically they mentioned that they were like, like aromatic branches of like really fragrantly smelling trees and, and stuff like that. And they would gather all these branches up and make this nest up. And when they, after they had made up this whole little thing, they would then lay in their nest and then be consumed in flames, which just sounds heck yeah, so extra. <laughs> I bet you it smelled great. Oh, I bet you it did. It was the best, best smelling pyre ever. Um, and from that, those flames, that that pile of really fragrantly smelling branches, there would be a new phoenix would arise. If a baby little new phoenix would come crawling out of the ashes. And it would then, the new phoenix would take those ashes of its previous version, of its previous self, or of its parent, or whatever, and it would gather up those ashes all up into, like, a little ball. It would, like, roll them up into a ball, and it would take those ashes and fly them to a city called Heliop- uh, Heliopis. I always want to say Heliopolis, but it's Heliopis. Um, but it would then fly them to Heliopis, Heliopis, and that is a city in Egypt. And it actually, the city name is directly translated to the city of the sun. Is it an is actual cool. city? Yeah, actual city, real place. Oh. Um, and it would fly the like little egg ball of burnt ashes to the city there. And it would specifically fly to the temple of Ra in that city and drop that egg, that ball of ash onto the altar in the temple of Ra. And that, that was actually one of the, a lot of people thought that the phoenix was the spirit or the soul of Ra. And that was why, like, it would always bring the ashes back to the temple there because it was the, the soul of Ra. And that was kind of this, its whole cycle. And that was another reason why it's kind of related to the sun is because of Ra. Um, a different, slightly change or a, a different take on that story uh, that I think is kind of neat and kind of to me I like it a little bit better uh, is that instead of just going and making a nest anywhere just randomly instead the story variant goes that the phoenix would just go straight to that city of uh, the city of the sun in Egypt and it would just go straight to the altar sit on the altar and then just light itself on fire die and then the young phoenix would then come from the ashes right on the altar of the of Ra. So <laughs> if you were like a like a caretaker of the like temple or whatever, must be pretty right? startling the first couple of phoenixes. Could you there. imagine? Yeah, I'd right. And and I mean, to be fair, how many times would you miss it and you would just come back in and there would just be a pile of ash on the the altar and you're like, what the heck happened? Who who lit a fire on our altar? That, that that's so disrespectful. <laughs> And then one day somebody would be like, 
coming out early in the morning, wiping their eyes, they're really tired, and they look in the altar, and there's just a bird on fire, and they're like, oh, what's Whoa. going on? Had so, too much yeah. mead from the night before. <laughs> ah, I am definitely still drunk. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> and he runs yeah. in the, the, like, that afternoon. He's like, guys, 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 guess what I saw? And they're like, no, we know you did it. You're a liar. You lit a fire on the altar again. It's you. It's been you this entire time. And you're just making stuff up. But. So yeah, that's the uh, the lore. Uh the, or the real world lore of what the phoenix is and where it comes from, which I thought is really cool. And that's kind of how it's a, it's interestingly connected to both Egypt, but also most of those stories are told in Greece and a lot of the written stories are written in Greece. And so it's kind of confusing where they come from because the creature is always told to like, or talked about as going back to Egypt and it's restarts its life cycle in Egypt but then it seems like maybe it's like the stories originate from Egypt or from Greece. And so it's like, it's a Greece story written about Egypt and it's kind of confusing. So that's why nobody really knows where this story comes from or where the Phoenix originates, but it comes from one of those two countries for, or one of those two cultures for sure. That's pretty cool. I love yeah. how like, they used to be much more colorful because I mean, like the red phoenix is pretty classical. You it know, is like fire is red, so the bird's red too. But I'd I mean, love to see like, all a kind purple of colors. phoenix. Yeah, like a like we, a purple phoenix would be just great. You put enough chemicals in there, and you can get purple fire. <laughs> <laughs> Got what like magnesium phoenixes and like there phosphorus you go. phoenixes. Yeah. Oh man, I mean, and speaking of with uh being all different colors it could be that it's not chemicals it could just be magic maybe that maybe it's just like a magical phoenix that changes the colors makes it different um which kind of leads us into the harry potter universe which phoenixes if you've never seen the harry potter universe or never read the books never seen the movies been living under a rock for the last decade um phoenixes are very prevalent in the harry potter universe big big deal in that universe Dumbledore loves them big <laughs> Big Phoenix fan. You might even say he's a Phoenix stan, as they say. <laughs> Lots of Phoenix energy, man. Yes, heavy Phoenix energy. Um, in the Phoenix, or sorry, in the not in the Phoenix universe, in the Harry Potter universe, uh, Phoenixes are pretty similar to the core um, mythology, uh, it, but they definitely go with the more classic, well, classic nowadays look of being a bird that is just like, pure like red orange color um they're very regal in that universe they're they're described as being very independent and detached from the rest of the world and they kind of feel like they're they're like they seem like they're so much better and above everyone else and because of that like it's really hard to really interact with them it's very rare that people ever really have much of an interaction with them so that's why in the harry potter universe although like as us the, the the audience we see a couple of phoenixes because the main character the main cast has a couple of interactions with them the normal general populace doesn't really see phoenixes all that often they're pretty aloof and pretty detached that um, kind of makes sense why it was yeah. kind of a big deal for dumbledore i guess exactly yeah it's like that being said um as dumbledore says in the movies and in the books when uh when a phoenix kind of makes a bond with a person 
they are very, very loyal. So that's where it's hard to form that bond. It's hard to get that kind of connection with them. But when they do, and when you do have that kind of friendship, they are like there for the end. They're there till they die. Um, which again, in this universe is pretty hard to do. Um, they're described as having like a really, really beautiful, uh, orange coat, but it, when they start to get close to the end of their lifespan, these phoenixes, um, they start to actually, they have like a specific name for it. They call it their burning day, which is like kind of the end of their life cycle. If you will, the Phoenix actually starts to lose their feathers. And like the, in the books, they describe them as like a half plucked Turkey, which feels cruel. That's a pretty rude description for this magical bird. Um, but really they, a fall from grace, really. Yeah, really. Sorry, seriously. Um, but so they start to approach this burning day, as they call it, and their feathers start to fall out. Their eyes, like, get cloudy and dull. Uh, they start to make gagging noises, like they're, like, coughing. Like, they're literally oh. just, like, they're, like, getting, like, becoming old and, like, decrepit and dying. Um, but then eventually, when they get old enough and they get close enough to this magical day... Eventually, then the bird just explodes into flames and like turns to turns to ash, and a new little baby uh phoenix comes back out of those ashes and it starts all over again. Man, that was so. one of my favorite, like all time favorite moments from the Harry Potter like movie series as a whole. Is right? just young Harry going into Dumbledore's office, and then all of a sudden the phoenix freaking bursts into flames. Uh-huh. It's like, ah. Oh! What's going on? And Dumbledore is like, ah, oh, it's all right. Look at the cute little phoenix kind of popping out there, that. you know. He's yeah. fine. He's, he'd do that, you know, every now mm-hmm. and then. And thankfully, it's, uh, for being the magical creatures they are, uh, obviously, people are going to be trying to come after them all the time because they have a lot of magical qualities. So thankfully, they don't stay in that little baby chick size for very long. It's usually only a couple of days before they're back to their full size and back to being the... I mean, at least being able to, like, I wouldn't say that they're, like, the immense threat ever, but, like, they're at least able to get away from things. They grow up pretty quickly, thankfully. Also, um, another reason why phoenixes, like I was saying, they're pretty well sought after, and a good reason why they grow up is uh, their feathers can be used in wizard's wands. Uh, And uh, specifically, there's one wand maker who really covets making wands out of these and that's uh garrick olivander uh Is that's that the, the yeah that's the, the guy that the we only? see in the movies it's like the main one yeah ah. he is garrick olivander is the most po- most famous most popular wand maker in the european uh wizarding world and so all of the european wizards they try their their preferred best top shelf wands come from garrick olivander there are other wand makers that make wands but they're just like not as good and that's mostly due to the fact that olivander only will make wands out of like the few like top tier he calls them supreme core animals and so that's uh phoenixes and unicorns and dragons those three animals are the only animals that are able to supply what he calls supreme cores and therefore give the best wands. And so that's why he's able to make the best wands in the world. Well, in Europe anyway. So the Harry Potter universe 
The Phoenix also has uh, some pretty unique abilities. Uh, their tears are able to heal people, which is kind of neat. It's uh, uh, it's pretty convenient. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of an ex machina kind of ability. Because they can but, heal like any injury, right? Yeah, so they can heal anything other than death. They can heal pretty much. Oh, well. Uh, yeah. Get out of here, scrub. You can't heal. Exactly. Death. What's wrong with you? Um, but they can actually, they are the only, uh, dumb, or sorry, not double, uh, Phoenix Tears are the only cure for the poison and the stare, the gaze of the basilisk. So if you end up getting exactly right yeah. if you end up getting poisoned by a basilisk that's the only thing that can save you is a phoenix tears which is real convenient that the head of the school happens to have a phoenix like on call whenever needed yeah. would have been a real downer if the series mm -hmm. ended at book two you know <laughs> harry potter you're the chosen one you're gonna save us all oh you died to a basilisk that's a shame uh well time wow. to find a new chosen one <laughs> Um, and then other than that, they, the Phoenix being the magical creature it is actually is also completely immune to basilisks as well, which is convenient because if it's going to be able to heal basilisks, it makes sense for it to be immune to them. So that way it can help other people. Maybe they're just also like constantly covered in their own tears. They're very <laughs> they're sad. Crying. Oh, poor guys. That'd be devastating. Uh, they also seem to have a weird ability of being able to teleport, uh, which we see a couple of times in the books or in the series where they'll just like light themselves on fire and just like burn up into ash instantly, but then they just appear somewhere else. They just like teleport through flames somehow, which is kind of neat. Um, and then they also, it's kind of unclear this last ability, whether it's them doing it or whether it's somebody else so in uh the uh fantastic beasts series there's a character called uh garrett grindelwald in case you've never in, if you've ever heard of that guy and he actually ends up finding a phoenix like a little baby phoenix like we were talking about right after it burned itself up and it turned into a little chick again and grindelwald actually like lit a little flame in his hand and then like put the baby phoenix into it and it just like instantly turned into a full-size phoenix so pretty convenient right yeah. very so it could be that like just putting a phoenix into fire just makes them grow up instantly or it could be that grindelwald had like a magic spell that did that we don't know which but i wouldn't put it past him yeah exactly so it, it could be either way we're not sure but yeah that's uh those are the phoenixes and they're i think they're really neat and the harry potter universe does stay relatively true. I mean, it, it introduces some new abilities, obviously, to what the Phoenix can do because, like, it's a magical world and they have to have, like, some differences. But overall, I feel like they stay pretty true to what the Phoenix is originally. And, and I think the, the Harry Potter version is pretty cool. I think it's neat. They're a, a really neat, powerful ability, powerful creature. Definitely one of the cooler things in the Harry Potter universe. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's actually uh, a little bit of a side tangent, side note real quick that uh, I think is neat. Uh, the Phoenix, so with uh, in the Harry Potter universe, they have the Patronus charm, which like makes a ghostly, a spectral version of all kinds of different animals, depending on the person. 
it's like and your happiest, the, like exactly maybe. yeah it's like like it's your your spirit animal basically kind of and uh phoenixes are actually possible it, it, it's possible to have a phoenix as your patronus charm but it is extraordinarily rare and the only one that we ever see is albus dumbledore which is kind of neat Interesting. so yeah and a uh, little bit of a, a dis i mean it's a little bit disappointing on the website that like you can go and do on Pottermore that allows you to find out what your Patronus is. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert, Phoenix is not an option on that one. What? So, yeah. That's like, not it's, fair. It's not it's even possible. an option. So. Like 1,000 chance of getting yeah. it. Yeah. It's, it's, apparently, it's so rare that it's not even possible. So. And I guess Dumbledore is too dang special. Exactly. Huh? We do see Dumbledore. He has a uh, Phoenix Patronus, but nobody else, in as far as the... Harry Potter universe knows nobody else has one. So, but it's just, I thought that was a kind of neat thing of like, oh, he's that he's that related and and friendly with phoenixes that he gets his own special Patronus. So, but next uh, we're gonna quickly move on to the Thunderbird, which is a uh, like I said earlier, a very similar creature in, in a lot of ways, but also a very cool and unique creature in and of its own right. Like I was saying at the beginning, the Native American version of uh, the kind of Phoenix, like he he's the the Native American counterpart, uh, and uh, I think with uh, Thunderbird, he's a cool enough creature that I didn't realize how long we were gonna go with Phoenix, so I don't want to do him an injustice or an in- a disservice by trying to push through him, because uh, he as well, which was something I didn't realize. He's actually also in the Harry Potter universe. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's in the uh, Fantastic Beasts series. So he's not in the core original, what is it, six, seven movies or whatever. But he is in his own, uh, does have his own storyline in the Fantastic Beasts series. So uh, with that being said, Thunderbird is a very cool creature that it is very similar to the Phoenix in a lot of ways. So... I wanted to cover him this episode because of how similar they are, but I don't want to push through him. Don't want to just like mention him in two seconds and then skip over because we are running long already. Uh, So we're actually going to do, I think, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily a two-parter, but we are going to do split this up into a second part. And we're going to do the Thunderbird in its own episode. We're going to do its own thing. If that's okay with you two. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's pretty good. I'm like super looking forward to the Thunderbird. Like, I really want to see what it's got to give, you know? I, I mean, I can give you a spoiler. It's a lot of lightning and a lot of thunder. <laughs> Man. And it's very, very frightening, as they say. And I think Galileo may be involved. I, I, had, to, I had to get it all finished. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the Thunderbird, I think, is very cool. And... uh I'm looking forward to going into more depth than the time we have left would allow. So other than that, with uh, leaving the Thunderbird for later, do you guys have any thoughts on uh, Phoenix's last uh, wrap ups? Anything that you uh, were surprised by or, or learned? For me, like, I mean, I knew, you know, the gist and I knew like, I knew it all. I was already there really... was like much that added, but the clarification and the knowledge of like kind of where these stories came from was really really cool to like find out like and it's also cool just like 
how um, similar Greece and Egypt are. Uh huh. Isn't just how much they obviously shared because like there's way too much in connection of you know of their creatures and their mythologies and stuff to right. be you know too completely separate and to me all their stories just kind of show that they're they're very similar and so having them there and then but also having phoenixes and you know um up in like china as well it just it's a very cool very cool creature yeah yeah like i'm honestly dying to know where they actually like originated whether it's ancient egypt or greece or maybe even china who knows i vote yeah egypt because their mythology is older right it is but that doesn't necessarily mean that it was initially that that it came at like the beginning of their history like it could be that it was a relatively i mean and uh, that's not to say that it couldn't be in egyptian mythology and it couldn't it could be that it was also from greece i'm not saying one way or the other but just because the one is an older culture doesn't mean that they had all their culture set up before greece came about like they were obviously still developing things after the fact. So it could have been that they co-opted it from the other culture. Uh, but at the same time, like it's not necessarily, it, that doesn't mean that they couldn't have been. It's just strange yeah. how, especially to me, I was never, I didn't really know or didn't realize when I was a kid, how connected they were because as a kid, you never realize how, where things are like, like spatially. I always thought that they were like, humongously far far apart like those two countries were like opposite sides of the worlds to me and so because i was like oh yeah like they're like obviously they're so distinct like if you look at their mythologies they're so different they're like the the one gods have animal heads and the others are like living up on a mountain they're so different and so i never really thought about it as them being like or having the possibility of sharing stories amongst themselves but as we've like researched some creatures like this is not the first creature or or mythological being that we've talked oh, about yeah. that has had similarities and even like been shared between the two cre- the two cultures and we've seen echoes between the two of them which i think is really neat yeah but so. it's pretty obvious that whatever kind of uh group came up with it the other groups around it thought it was pretty hot definitely pretty hot stuff <laughs> i see what you did yeah <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. And it could be, I mean, it's most likely Greek or Egyptian, one of the two. But it could be that it was a totally different culture altogether. It could have been like a third, well, I guess third, fourth, if you count uh, China in there as well. So it could have been a fourth culture altogether that created their this creature. And then all the others just grabbed onto it. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. And we just haven't found the origin of that one. It could be a way older culture that we just don't know about that came up with the idea. But that's, uh, I mean, there's no really way to, to find that out or prove it. But just a cool idea of, like, just interesting thought. of We don't know where they came from, but they have clearly taken over the world in a, in a very cool, creative way. I'd say but, no. a hot way, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess if you want to go that way, I, I, I don't, I don't really understand the reference. I don't get why you think <laughs> that would be the the terminology, but I suppose so. But 
I think that'll do it for this week for uh, the Phoenix and uh, a little bit of a sneak peek with the uh, Thunderbird that I just did not realize how much uh, I had for the Phoenix. I thought we had uh, a little bit of information and uh, turns out we had more than I initially planned. So we're going to see you next week. Now you have a pre, but now you have a, there you go. Now you can have a premonition. Of what next week's uh, episode is going to be uh, for the Thunderbird, which uh, I'm really excited to to dive into and to explore the Thunder version or the Lightning version of the Phoenix. So, yeah. And as always, you know, it, it, with this upcoming week, if you have any other questions about uh, the Phoenix or anything like that, you can check us out on Twitter at Vanquishers Pod yeah. and on our TikTok. Do you want to bother yeah. Brad? Yeah, bother, bother him, me, please. <laughs> please, please bother me. Please bother me. <laughs> and if you uh, if you have a friend that you think would uh, be interested, we'd love it if you shared uh, with someone, maybe someone who's really into the Harry Potter universe. I uh, just actually was had a fun conversation Absolutely. with a coworker the other day about Harry Potter. So I think that they may be uh, somebody that would be. In, would enjoy this. And uh, other than that, we will catch you next week with now the Thunderbird next.